today's selection is by Daniel Nailer. Everything Sad is Untrue, a true story. All Persians are liars, and lying is a sin. That's what make kids in Mrs. Millow's class think, but I'm the only Persian they've ever met, so I don't know where they got that idea. My mom says it's true, but only because everyone has sinned and needs God to save them. My dad says it isn't. Persians aren't liars. They're poets, which is worse. Poets don't even know when they're lying. They're just trying to remember their dreams. They're trying to remember 6,000 years of history and all the versions of all the stories ever told. In one version, maybe I'm not the refugee kid in the back of Mrs. Miller's class. I'm a prince in disguise. If you catch me, I will say what they say in the 101 nights. Let me go and I will tell you a tale passing strange. That's how they all began. With a promise, if you listen, I'll tell you a story. We can know and be known to each other. And then we're not enemies anymore. I'm not making this up. This is a rule that even genies follow. In the 101 nights, Shazarazad, the rememberer of all the world's dreams, told stories every night to the king so he would spare her his, her life. But in here, it's just me counting my own memories. And you, reader, whoever you are, you're the king. I'm not sucking up, by the way. The king was evil and made a bloody massacre of a thousand lives before he got to Shazarazad. It's a responsibility to be the king. You've got my whole life in your hands. I'm not just warning you that I'm going to be honest. I have to begin the story with my Baba Haji, even if the blood might shock you. But don't worry, dear reader and Mrs. Miller. Of all the tales of Marvel that I could tell you, None surpass its wonder and coolness, the one I'm about to tell. Counting the memories, Baba Haji kills the bull. My first memory is blood, slopping down the throat of a terrified bull, and my grandfather, red-handed, reaching for my face. I would have been three at this time. Maybe I have memories before that. I don't know. If I did, they'd be flashes of tile patterns or something. I can make it up if you want. But really, it was the blonde blood and the bull braying and the gurgling sound. People ask, really? Really was it the blood? They ask because they don't believe me. They don't believe because I'm some poor refugee kid who smells like pickles and garlics and has lice. And I'm probably making up stories to feel important. I don't know what the American grown-ups have for memories, but they can't be as beautiful as mine. So they laugh. They don't touch me, but they roll their eyes. Okay, they say. It is, I say. It's one of two memories I have of Baba Haji. I promise. I haven't been careless with it. My heart clenches it like a fist, like gripping a ball bearing as hard as you can. The fingers dig into the palm, and you don't even know if it's still in there. The knuckles are white, and you're afraid it fell out, and you didn't even notice. You weren't clenching nothing until your nails cut into the palm and you bleed. The memory is small, barely a few pictures. His face is still one image. It begins in a big gold car. It isn't really gold, just painted that color. It was so big, the seats were two couches on wheels. The car drives on the dirt road through a desert in the middle of Iran, specifically on the road to Ardistan. That doesn't mean anything to you, probably, if you even bothered to pronounce it. 
I could have said on the road to skip this word, you uh, dumb, dumb Stan, if it would be the same. It was a desert in a faraway land. You want a map? Here's a map. When I say the words, people think it may as well be Mars or Middle Earth. I could say we drove a chariot pulled by camels and they'd believe me. But it was a Chevrolet and we were normal back then. I wore sneakers with Velcro and had a dad. He had a bushy red mustache and would have make weird, funny faces. He would blow out his cheeks and furrow his eyebrows like a super serious chickmunk. He drove. My mom sat behind him and handed us pieces of pistachio cardamom cake. The road went up and down like an ocean. On either side was sand that could suck down half the car before you could even get out. Some places, the sand blew over so you couldn't see any road at all. My dad, dad drove so fast it was like a boat going up a wave and crashing down the other side. My sister and I would shriek as our butts lifted off the seat. My mom would say, Ach, Mossad, slow down. You kill your children. But this was the road my dad knew by heart because he was born in Ardistan and he was going home. He drove hungry for his mom's stew and yogurt. His dad was my Baba Yaha. This trip happened every weekend for a while, so this part isn't my first memory. I'm just telling you how it happened every time. The drove would have happened before I saw Baba Haja slaughter the bull, but I'm not certain. The cake could, would ha, could have been rose and honey. My mom could have said, Ak, Musad, not this again. His mother could have made kebab and yogurt, but those aren't differences that make a difference. The next image is parking outside the stone walls of my grandfather's courtyard. I see myself because this part is not only my memory it was described to me by my mom so imagine from up by her head looking down at me i'm three years old i wore corduroys i carried my stuffed sheep mr sheep sheep in one hand and a stick in the other i wanted to be a shepherd my cheeks were chubby and people pinched them constantly so i scowled a lot i was a serious chickmunk ach so cute the cutest boy you have ever seen, my mom would say. I am now in school in Oklahoma, and no one agrees with this. I am told it would be dark in dusk in the village of Ardistan by the time we arrived. The sun shined red behind a dusty mountain. The house was surrounded by a wall 10 feet high. It was 600 years old and made of stone. The garden was inside the wall. It was lined with mosaic tiles. The trees were almond, peach, and fig. At the center was an inlay fountain that cooled you with its whisper. In the corner was the well. But we hadn't seen any of this the first time. I just know it because it's a place in my mind. I could go there now if I wanted. When teachers brought us to the sod houses in Oklahoma and told us it was 98 years old, I asked why they'd made a museum out of it. A teacher looked at me as if I was simple because we preserve and cherish historical things, she said. But no one lives in it. No, not every 98 years. So every 98 years, people move out of their houses and turn them into museums? She looked away at this point, probably because her answer would have been, what are you, simple? 
Okay, class, hold a buddy's hand and keep moving. The first time we went to Artistan, the time I'm telling you about, we got out of the car outside the walls and heard the sound of men shouting and hooves clonking on the stone. My dad said, stay here, and ran around to the entrance to see if it was one of those demons who hide behind the hedgerows. We didn't stay there, of course. He wasn't the kind of father you listened to. I remember approaching the gate. Louder and louder, the man shouted curses. Yalla, yalla. I turned the corner. In the courtyard by the wall was a bull. Four grown men from the village struggled to hold it down. A giant beast. Its eyes were black and bigger than any marble in my collection. In it was a swirl of panic, sweating, shaking, insane with fear. A knife lay on the stone where one of the men had dropped it. The bull saw me. It eye looked at me. I remember this because it was the only time I have ever been begged for anything. The bull let out a sound I can only say was like opening your mouth and trying to push all the food out of your stomach. One of the men slipped off the wet hindquarters and fell. My dad ran over to help. But before he reached them, my grandfather emerged from the house. He wore sandals and his muslin pants were rolled up to the knees. I knew it was my Baba Haji, even though I think this was the first time I've ever seen him. He stepped off the porch and walked towards the confusion. He shook his head at the mess that they had made and sucked his teeth in in disgust. In a single motion, he leaned over, picked up the knife, and pushed aside the man grappling with the bull's horns. I heard him say, here, like, here, let's do it. Then, with one hand, he grabbed the bull's horns and pulled it sideways. I could no longer see the bull's eye, only its exposed neck. With the other hand, my grandfather stabbed the knife into the bull below its ears, then pulled down and around to the other ear. The whole neck opened. Blood poured onto my grandfather's bare feet. The bull's legs buckled. I heard a gargle. The men stepped back, relieved and embarrassed. It collapsed. My mother must have been one of those who screamed. My vision went black. She had covered my eyes. I heard her say, Ak Musad, as if my dad should have known. Underneath her hand was the color red. My next memory is backed at the car outside the walls. Mom, very angry. Dad kind of laughing because whatever, farm life, you know. He thinks she's overreacting. She won't go back until they clean up the blood. He explains the men are running late. The bull should have been slaughtered hours ago. My grandfather's only grandson, me, had come. What else did she expect? It occurred to me at this point that the feast was with me. The bull must have known I was not the right person to beg. I could have saved it. My three-year-old brain doesn't know what that even means. When I tell this whole story, I don't tell anyone that part. I was just a little kid back then. Still, they think I want their pity. In America, they distressed unhappy people, but I don't want pity. I just wonder if they've had that feeling too, the one where you realize it's your fault that something beautiful is dead and you know you weren't worth the trouble. When I opened my eyes, my Baba Haja was looking at me. This is the only memory I have of his face. It was craggy, his beard, white beard and red. He had a knit skull cap and permanent squint from working in the sun. He reached for my cheeks. He smiled at me. His hands were still red with blood. 
Behind him, the animal was bleeding on the stone. The blood pooled and flowed toward the drain, a red river. Oklahoma also has a red river. It is not red. In some places, it's not even a river. <laughs>